Well, it's good to be with you uh, this morning, church, as we uh, start a three-week uh, sermon series called Direction, um, asking the question, who am I becoming um, as a follower of Jesus? Uh, a couple months ago, I was reading, uh, rereading a couple books that I have, um, one about the direction of God, the divine direction uh, of God, and the other book um, called Relational Holiness, um, written by a professor at NNU that um, the Holy Spirit really used to shape my understanding of how um, we walk with God, and then we went to Chick-fil-A. Uh, if our kids call it the chicken house, right? Uh, and we were at Chick-fil-A, and uh, we got the, the booth seat right across from the play thing, which is a horrible seat, by the way. Don't take that seat, right? Um, but we, we were watching the kids play uh, in the play thing, and so I'm reading these books, and they're fresh on my mind, and then I'm watching my son, who is just short of a maniac, and he's running around everywhere, and he's at that age that everybody wants to go up the slide backwards, right? You want to climb up the slide instead of go down the slide and all the parents said amen right uh, and then so I'm watching him as he's trying to climb up the slide and there are bigger kids there that day uh, and he's just getting like hit right? but he's still trying to climb up the slide but as he climbs up and then he comes back down because here comes another kid and he climbs up and he comes back down and here, here comes another kid and as I'm as I'm watching him I'm instantly I'm reminded uh, of, a, of, a, of an image that I have in my head um, which is pretty much um, how I how I thought following Jesus looked like for, for a lot of my, my Christian life. In fact, I didn't, I didn't understand anything different until I got to graduate school and things started to change. But that's how I, I, I thought of Jesus, that I am at the bottom of the slide and Jesus is at the top of the slide and he's kind of encouraging me to, to keep going, right? That, that he's saying, all right, come on, you, you can make it, you can come up and, and you can continue to work. And so I thought that if I just put my head down and I worked a little harder and I did the things that I was supposed to do, I could become closer to God and get closer to him. If I did those devotionals that my youth pastor kept pushing on me, then it might, things might work out. I, I might feel a little bit better about my life. And so I would, I would try harder and I would do more and I would be passionate about it and, and I would climb that slide so that I might be closer to Jesus. But inevitably, because life is hard, uh, things would happen. I would, I would slip up or, or something would come along and I'd be distracted because that's the story of my life. And I would, I would come and I'd be climbing and things would be going great and I'd feel like everything is awesome, kind of like that like come home from camp kind of moment. And then I would, something would come in my way and I would choose to go the wrong way. I'd choose my own way. And it felt as if I slipped on the slide and I was like Jack sliding down the slide where again I found myself in the gravel at the bottom of the slide and looked a little bit like this little guy, right? You ever been there? You ever felt like, like no matter what you did, right? No matter how hard you tried, no matter all the practices and all the things that you tried to do in your life, and there was always something that inevitably came along and you climbed that slide and it knocked you down and you found yourself at the bottom of the slide with gravel in your teeth and your knees skinned, your elbows bloodied. And you, you ask yourself as you're in the gravel, can I get up again? It's that, that, that kind of rotation, that cycle of 
pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps and getting back on the slide and, and trying more and trying harder, but we feel like we have to start all over again in a sense as we, as we hop back on the slide. We've talked about this a, a couple different times in different sermons. There's a, there's a lot more to it, but the thing that changed the, the image for me was this idea that it's not about a slide because that slide is impossible to climb. Uh, we moved here from Kansas City, and this is a slide that's in Kansas City. It's no longer there. It was torn down. But this is what I think of when I think of that slide that I was trying to climb to get closer to God. It was just impossible. Something would happen again and again and again. And so this image that really changed the way that I thought about God's interaction with us was this image of, uh, of kind of like a person on a journey or, or an adventurer, right? And this, this adventurer and this journey of life that every single person sets out on this journey. And we know that life is full of its ups and downs, that there are great joys that we will experience. And there are great caverns of distress that we will experience. And we are on these ups and downs. But on this journey of life with its ups and downs, we are not alone. Like We've been given this guide called the Holy Spirit. That God in his graciousness and God in his mercy has given us this guide who is ever present and constantly communicating. Holy Spirit is constantly inviting us forward. Not a God with his thumb on our back making us do stuff that we don't want to do. But a God that calls, that invites us forward, calls out to the adventurer every step of the way. It's relationship because we know that love happens in relationship. And so we have this guide that is with us, that walks with us in our everyday, ordinary life. And, and God's grace, God's provenient grace, that we talk a lot about here, is grace that goes before. That God goes before us and, and we invites us to these intersections where we are confronted by God's love for us, where we come to know God's love for us. In fact, we, we don't even believe you, you have to know about Jesus or think about Jesus. God is inviting all people to himself. Like whether you, you know it or not, that it's, it's like Pastor Stephanie's image last week for Easter Sunday from the, the Dory movie and the shell that, that came on your, on your chair when you came in. If you didn't hear that, go online and listen to it. This idea, just like Dory's parents set out all those shells, it was, it was God's grace working tirelessly to invite us home, to call us home. So we are on this adventure and the Holy Spirit is our guide, walking with us, going before us, calling us forward down paths that lead to Him and lead to restoration and lead to goodness. Completely changed the way that I saw life and walking with Jesus. So as we uh, start this sermon series uh, called Direction, I want us to keep that image in the back of our mind that this is relationship. This is us walking forward with, with the Holy Spirit, that we are not alone, that the Holy Spirit is constantly calling us forward. And we've been given this guide because God is good. Uh, soon we will celebrate uh, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, or at the birth of the church where the Holy Spirit comes down uh, on his people. And thanks be uh, to God that we've been given the Holy Spirit because we have a lot of decisions to make in life, right? Amen. 
Now, you made hundreds of decisions this last week about normal things or hard things or, or big stuff or little stuff. You made all these, these decisions in life. And last week when I introed this, we talked about the cereal aisle. If that doesn't stress you out, I don't know what will stress you out, but we have lots of options uh, in life, right? There's so many things. There's so many choices. There, there's, it used to be that you could just go to Blockbuster, and they had a very limited section. Anybody remember Blockbuster? And they had a very, <laughs> amen, a very limited section of new releases, so you knew what was cool and what you should watch. But now you go to Netflix, and you spend all night trying to find a video to watch, and then you don't even end up watching one because you spent too long trying to make the choice. Right? And all the people said Amen. But we have all these choices to make. And we know that there are different paths that we can take. Some are good and produce happiness and wholeness and lead us to God. And some are not good and they lead to suffering and brokenness and heartache. And the decisions that we make today are important. The decisions that we make today, the little ones and the big ones, they will shape our tomorrow. The stuff we decide on today will shape or tomorrow. So if I went right now to the, the Air Force recruiter's office, I don't even know where that is. I'm probably too old. But if I signed the dotted line and said, I'm going to join the Air Force, my tomorrow is going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. And some of you said amen and amen, right? <laughs> if, I, if I sign that, if I make that decision today, it's a big decision, my tomorrow will be shaped differently because of the decision that I made back here. So we know that without a doubt, our decisions matter. But let's get real for a second. We are, a lot of the time, pretty bad decision makers, right? Our decisions matter, little ones and big ones, and yet we have a hard time making decisions. Have you ever made a permanent decision based on emotion of the time, right? You, you made a permanent decision or a long-lasting decision based on how you felt, right? I don't know if you know this, but in our town, um, we have a tattoo shop. The guy's genius. Uh, but on one side of the tattoo shop is where you get your tattoos and your piercings. And on the other side of the tattoo shop is tattoo removal service. <laughs> genius. Like, we, we are amongst the genius, Right? Like, that's exactly what that's for. You made a decision a long time ago, and it was a permanent decision until the tattoo removal came along. But it was a permanent decision probably made on feeling of that moment of who you thought you were and what you identified with, and now you've got it over here. And so that's a one-stop shop in Mountain Home, Idaho that you can take advantage of. We're not very good at making decisions. And sometimes our decision is to lose our temper. How many of you lose your temper? How many of you lost your temper this morning on your kids as you came to church? Don't raise your hand, right? I lost mine on Jack because I was trying to do something, but we weren't in the car yet, so it doesn't count, right? We're going to church. Be quiet, right? Just see Jesus, right? But we make, we make poor decisions at times. We are, we are overtaken by things uh, in life. We don't always make the best decisions. Uh, during uh, the wintertime, I like to go duck hunting, and I, and, I, and I go with friends sometimes, but a lot of times I go alone. And uh, this last uh, winter, I went alone to a spot, and I, and I thought it was a good decision. I made the decision that I would drive my truck through a, a muddy ice puddle, right? 
And I knew instantly as my, as my wheels hit the muddy ice puddle that it was a really bad decision, right? And I knew every step of the way to the mile and a half to get to the farmer's house to ask for help to pull me out. Every step I was reminded of that bad decision that I made because we're not good at making decisions at times. And sometimes we don't always make the best one. But yet we said, the decisions that we make, the big ones and the small ones, will shape and determine uh, the the rest of our future, the the, the future things that are coming are tomorrow. So they're a really, really big deal. So today as we come, we want to lay the foundation for the next two weeks. And I'm going to ask us a a couple of different questions that I want us to think about. And it's going to be a little bit uh, different as we we come to to these texts, as we start to to look at some some overarching themes in the Bible and and the things that we know about the Holy Spirit's interaction um, in our life. But my first question is this, and maybe you've asked it in your personal life, but the question is, what does God want for me, right? Maybe you've asked it like this, what is God's will for me? You ever asked that question? Like what ultimately, like in the end of things, when everything boiled down, like what is God's will for me and for my life? What does God want for us as his children and as his creation? So if you have your Bibles, um, real quick, turn to 1 Timothy chapter uh, 2. We're just going to read a couple verses here and there, so you might not be able to, 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 to stay with us, but it will be on the screen uh, for you today. But the uh, first one is just kind of obvious. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. It, it, it starts this whole uh, section by talking about kings living in peace, which that would be nice, right? We could use some kings living uh, in, in peace. But then it goes on to say this. It says, this is good. And pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind and the man Christ Jesus, right? God wants us to, uh, the, God's will for us, the, the, one of the, the most obvious things is that God wants us to know Him, right? God wants relationship with us. God wants to be a part of our lives that where we come to God, that we are in relationship with God. So that one's kind of obvious. But number two is from 1 Thessalonians, and it's really quite amazing. It tells us exactly what God's will for our lives is. And it sounds a little bit like this. Hear this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, God's will for you, for you is to be a dentist. God's will for you is to be a professional, a professional football player. God's will for you is to be a stay-at-home mom. Just kidding, it doesn't say that. It says God's will for you, no, this is the real one, is to be holy. God's will for you is to be holy. It goes on to say there's a whole bunch of other stuff in the rest of the chapter, but in this uh, short verse it says, so stay away from all sexual sin because that's not holiness. To be holy is to be set apart, right? To be holy is to be set apart. I've noticed this as we, we have kids now, but we have a weird fascination with vocation in our culture, right? Like you ever thought of, stop to think about that? Like we ask like little kids what they want to be when they grow up, 
They have no clue what they want to be when they grow up. Jack knows that he wants to be Paw Patrol when he grows up. He already has a mask and a cape, right? Like, he, that's what he wants to be. That's, his, that's what he thinks his vocation uh, will be. But we have this fascination with vocation. We ask our kids what they want to be when they grow up. We, we ask our high school students, and we ask them so many times that by the time they graduate, they have ulcers. And we love to ask the question, like, what are you going to be? What are you what are you going to what are you going to do with your life like like what are you going to what are you going to do with this stuff in fact in many ways we're taught that that what we do is our identity like I'm an airman or I'm a firefighter or I'm a police officer or there's these weird subgroups that I talked about this morning. I read a friend who's a, I, in the morning, I couldn't remember the name. I said, uh, telephone pole climber, but a lineman. It's like they have like a culture, like they are linemen, right? And they climb telephone poles. Like, what are you, you going to be? We, we, we have this, this, this thing where we make that our identity is what we do is who we are. But notice here that, that it doesn't say God's will for your life is to be a dentist. That was a joke. Right? It doesn't say God's will for your life is that you be a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't say anything like that. It doesn't do that. It's not focused on the do. It's focused on the who. It's not focused on what you do. It's focused on who you are. God's will for you is to be holy, to be set apart. Not about what you do. It's for you to be holy. We're set apart. We're different. And just so you know, if you follow Jesus, you are weird. Right? Like, I, I know it, but may I want you to know it today. If you follow Jesus, you are weird. You're to be set apart. You're, you're to be not driven by the things of this world. Things of this world are not to capture your heart because your heart has already been captured by Jesus. You're to be weird. You're to be not normal because without a doubt, we know that normal isn't working. It never has. We're not normal. We are to be set apart. We are weird. God's will for your life is for you to be holy. It's focused on the who you are. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, brothers, or I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And if you flip the couple pages before that, Romans 8, verse 29, it says to be conformed to the image of his son, not to the pattern of the world. You're to be weird and to be different. You're to conform your life to the image of the son. God cares about who you are becoming. God cares about the who. God is shaping us every step of the way. Jake, who was giving his testimony this morning, cited the, the, the potter's wheel verse, that, that God is shaping him and continues to shaping, shape him, that we are clay in, in, in his hands, that God is a God that is a shaping God and calls us to, to, to follow him down paths that lead to restoration. Not so we can just stay the same and have a nice life, but so that we can be restored and start that process here 
and now. Every time I think about this, I think about the Exodus, right? That's always, uh, that, that's always uh, on my mind that God leads his people out of Egypt. We said this multiple times, but he had to get Egypt out of his people. He had to shape his people. They had been conformed to the pattern of the world in which they, they lived in their place and their space. And so God takes them on this little 40-year adventure in the desert, Right? The wandering back and forth, when if they just would have went straight, right? If they just would have gone forward, they would have been to their, their, their destination long before. But God leads them and teaches them that I am the one that you're to rely on. You will get your food from me. Uh, even, even the instance where the rock is hit, you will get your, your, your thirst quenched by me. I will lead you in the day and I will lead you in the night. You are to be set apart. You are my people. Forty years of wandering for a purpose. Right? It's like that bumper sticker. All those who wander are not lost. They were not lost. They were, they were wandering with God for, for, for a purpose. They had a purpose in their wandering. They were to follow God so they could be completely dependent and set apart for Him. Jesus cares about who you are becoming, not just what you do or your vocation. That, that we are not what we do. In fact, if you look through the pages of the New Testament, Jesus doesn't talk about vocation very much. In fact, the one couple times that he does talk about vocation, he's calling people away from vocation to follow him, right? The fishermen, what do they do? They pack up their nets and they go with Jesus. No, they leave their nets where they are. They leave their vocation. They leave, in a sense, their, their identity in that vocation. And they, and they abandon that so that they might follow Jesus because Jesus calls them to himself. And he's focused on the who they are becoming. So... What does God want for me? What is God's will for my life? That we would be holy like he is holy. This shows us who we are comes before everything else. Who comes before what we do and what we participate in. So let's think about this. How many of you think that like Billy Graham, it was God's will for Billy Graham to be a preacher? Yeah. Like, it was probably God's will for Billy Graham to be a preacher. He's pretty good at it, right? Like, he did that. God empowered him to do that all around the world. It was God's will for Billy Graham to be a preacher. But I would argue that that was not God's primary will in Billy Graham's life. Even though he was a great preacher, that was not his primary will. God's will for Billy Graham's life is that Billy Graham would be holy, That's the primary, that who he was was not a preacher, but who he was was to be holy, to be set apart for God. God cares about the who, because we all know that good old Billy, and just like good old Tommy, could be called to be a pastor, but could be out of God's will in many different ways, right? If I I preached to you this morning, and then I go home and I start to beat on Stephanie, Right? And see, I like how you laugh, right? The, we joked in the morning service that I wouldn't have a face left, first of all. <laughs> but if I did that, would I still be in God's will? 
No, because it's, it's about the who. That's not my character and, and my integrity are compromised because, because I'm not living into my primary calling, which is to be holy as God is holy. God cares about the who we are becoming first and foremost, not what I do. And so how does this translate to us as, as people of God? How does this translate to, 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 to you and me? Who we are and who God is leading us to become is most important. So the question comes up in, in everyday life, should I get a new job? Well, maybe first we ask the question, who am I becoming? Is, 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 am I a faithful Jesus follower first? Like, should I be a veterinarian or a plumber? Well, what's most important? Am I a, a, a Jesus follower first? I'm to be a faithful Jesus follower first, and then I could be a faithful uh, Jesus follower and a veterinarian or a plumber on the side. I don't know. You choose. But this, the who, is the, is the first. You think about all you're going to do in the future many different times, especially when we come um, out of high school where that's pounded on us so deeply. We think about the do, the do, the do, when we should really be calling our students to think about who they are becoming. Because I know that when I'm all in, I know that when I'm, I, I'm open to God's leading in my life, and I know when I'm, when I'm confronted by, by God's love for me, when I know that, that, that the Holy Spirit is convicting me of something, and I open myself up so that I might be the who that God wants me to be, then I am prepared for almost all the do's, right? If I become who God wants me to be, then I can do a lot of do's. If I'm living with God and walking with Him and, and faithful to Him and listening to the Holy Spirit's calling in my life and following Him down these paths that lead to restoration, I'm not necessarily thinking about the do's or worried about the do's because I know that, 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 that God will lead me in those ways. God's concerned about who we are. And rather than spending all of our energy thinking about what we're going to do, we should stop and think about who he wants us to be and to become right now. So that we pause this morning in, in this time and we ask uh, this question, where are we today? Like, stop and think about who am I becoming? We're always becoming something. Who am I becoming? Who are we as the body of Christ becoming? When I was a, a young kid, my, uh, my dad came back into my life uh, after a while absent. And when he came back, he came back with a Nintendo Right, like like a, that kind of Nintendo. I think I've got a picture, like the Nintendo, right? And so, like there was like probably like emotional connection there. So I played a lot of Nintendo. In fact, uh, so much that I don't even trust myself. We won't have any kind of Nintendo or game system in my house because I will not be a productive member of society. So I gave that stuff up a long time ago, right? But I liked the Nintendo. And me and my buddy, uh, Derek, would play the Nintendo all the time. And we figured out that we could use the pause button to our advantage, right? Like if we were coming to uh, one of the, the, the bosses at the end, the bad guys at the end, we could pause it and stop and think about 
how we were going to beat the boss, right? Last time we got, we got killed by three fireballs, but now we know where those fireballs are, where they're coming from, right? So we're going to pause and we're going to put our little brains together and because two brains are better than one little brain and we're going to make things happen. We're going to push the pause button so that we can kind of figure out together what this, the, this is going to look like, what we're about to step into. You know, where we can go and what we, what we can do. And so as we, we come to these questions and we ask these questions, who am I becoming? And maybe this is a time where we recognize that in God's great generosity, he's given you an incredible brain for you to think and to envision and to create which is a, in, in the image of God. But he also given us this constant companion, which is the Holy Spirit. And we have the, the ability to call upon the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to listen to the Holy Spirit that is constantly communicating to us, constantly inviting us forward. And so this might be a, an opportunity for us to hit the pause button, so to speak. Right? And I totally recognize how cheesy that is. Pastor Tommy told us to hit the pause button on life and everything would be okay. Right? No. I totally recognize that. But hear this. As a pastor, I have the opportunity to sit across the table from people sometimes who literally cry out and ask questions like, how did I get myself in this situation? How did I, how did I find myself here? Or why did I do that? I never thought about doing that before. That was never on my mind. I would give anything to go back and to change it. So maybe the, the pause button isn't such a bad idea uh, anyways. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to stop and, and to think and, and to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to pause. You know, pause to listen to the Holy Spirit. Pause to listen to the guy. Pause to ask the Holy Spirit how this will play out. What might this decision or what might this action or what might this movement bring about in my life? Who will this over time make me to become? And many times this is our best choice to stop and to listen. I like to stop and to visualize where a certain path might, might take me. If I do this, who will I become? If I don't do this and I go the other way, who will I become? Over time, how will this shape my life? What will this decision bring about in my life? I've told you a couple of these big pause moments for me, but the Holy Spirit has used these pause moments and this, this, uh, this asking and these kind of like, uh, you say like envisioning the future in many ways in my life. And one of them came at like my big like Jesus moment where I gave everything to God, where I was uh, saved. And that was when uh, Bobby Paulson was coming over to get me started on my, my drug run, right? Where I was going to become a, a drug dealer with him. And it was that moment where everything came into, into clarity, Right, where everything kind of was like eh, the, the outcome of that choice was, was shown to me in a sense uh, in, in my mind. 
I've told you that in my town, um, all the drug dealers, we had a lot of them, uh, the, the DARE officers or the, the police department would confiscate their awesome cars and they would turn them into DARE cars and take them around the school, like with hydraulics and all the kids would send around the car. It was awesome, right? But then you knew if you were a drug dealer, your car was going to be taken. But this was like the car that was in my head. Like, this was cool back in the day. Not so much now, but this is cool back in the day, right? The Crown Vic with the 20-inch rims that, that I would probably have if I still lived in Junction City. But that was there, and I envisioned it as a, as a dare car, and I envisioned my big self in prison. And the question of what kind of man do you want to be came to my heart, came to my mind. It was a pause moment where the opportunity through God's provenient grace and through God's preventive grace in my life to follow him or to not follow him. It was my choice in that, oper- in that moment and I chose to follow him. So this is a time and a moment for us to hit the pause we're going to have the band come up just for a minute and sing one song from us that will remind us of our need for God's help. But I want us to ask these questions in our, in our heart. The decisions that I'm about to make or the directions that I'm, I'm headed to, how will they play out? Or the decisions that, or the things that I am I am making currently, how are they going to play out in the end? Just go, Holy Spirit, show me what five years looks like. Show me what 20 years looks like. Show me what one year looks like. How will this shape my who and who I will become? Holy Spirit, show me a better way if there is one. Dear Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your presence and for your, your help in our lives. We know that decisions are a big deal and they shape our tomorrows, but we're not always the best. So we ask for your help and for your guidance today. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for these pause moments and we pray that you continue to bring them about. May your preventative grace steer us clear from broken paths that we're about to take. And Lord, next week we'll talk about repentance and turning away from brokenness and sin, but we can't wait till next week. So Lord, make it happen now. May we follow you from the place that we are down paths that that lead to you, new paths that you will be faithful to show us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for caring about who we are and who we are becoming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand to receive the benediction, the blessing um, as we go from this place and are scattered out and about. Well, God's beloved, God's children, may you go from this place knowing God cares about who you are and who you are becoming. Holy, set apart from him, and maybe even a little weird. May you go in action and go in peace. You are loved. If the stars were made to worship so light, I can see your heart and everything you make. 